ask you if you have your Bibles to once again turn to the book of Exodus. This great journey of redemption. And this will be the second message. This will be the pattern of redemption part two. And uh, just believe that you have read this chapter, that you're familiar with it. I'm not going to take the time to read it all again. It is just the summary of God telling Moses how to begin the process of building the tabernacle and how that he wants them to do that. And specifically is mentioned three uh, of the pieces of furniture that are going to be there, uh, what is probably considered the three most holy things. We're doing triplets today, right? Uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the table of the shewbread, and then that golden candlestick. And we want to remember, especially though, verse 9, from which we've taken the title of our message, and, and we really spoke to this uh, thought about how that they were to do it after the pattern or after the blueprint that God had given to Moses in the mount. And it says here in verse 9 of Exodus 25, According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. I believe that that's something that's very, very, very important. You remember we said that the, that the scriptures are, more of the scriptures are dedicated to the subject of the tabernacle than any other subject in the Bible outside of the Lord Jesus Christ because everything about the tabernacle is about Him uh, as well. But it only took two chapters for the creation of, of the universe uh, to be described, which would be the abode of man, but... Uh, there's so many chapters here. I, I even forget, um, I wrote it down. Uh, it's 10, 10 chapters that talk about, uh, the building of the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. And so this is the abode of God and, and why it is given, uh, such preeminence in the word of God. And it's so important for us to study this, to, to learn this, to know this, to see all the beautiful truths that are contained therein. So just to relate that to our day, you know, there is a plethora of Christian organizations all around us. Amen? There's so many. We can just drive down the road and they're just dotted around our landscape. Is here especially in the South. But not each one of them are the same. They're not all created equal. And so... What to me is unique about this place, and I'm not saying that any of those other places aren't ch churches, I'm not saying that the people there aren't children of God, but what I'm trying to highlight on is why we're here. What is it about this place that makes it unique in our community and in our lives? And I believe that part of what it is is that we have tried to be a church that has followed the pattern that God gave of how the church should be in the New Testament. We have decided that we're not just going to preach any gospel. 
that we're not just going to say things about God, about how we think God should be, or about how we think salvation should be, but we're, we're trying to preach the gospel of the Son of God that we find in the Word of God and the salvation that He wrought, that salvation that is by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. And that's unique to this place. That's not being done everywhere in our community. We try to sing songs, a cappella, and sing praise to God in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart. Not because none of us like musical instruments. All of us enjoy musical instruments, but musical instruments weren't given in the pattern of the New Testament church for their worship. And we're trying to follow that pattern. We preach and make the biggest part of our service about the preaching and proclamation of the gospel because that's what we find in the New Testament. Our preachers are God-called ministers that are ordained because that's the pattern that we see in the New Testament. We try to observe the Lord's Supper and wash feet because that's the pattern in the New Testament. We try to immerse believers in a watery grave in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because that's the pattern that God gave to us. We try to minister to the poor of our community because that's what the first century Christians did as well. We try to do evangelism in our community and abroad to the world because that's the pattern that was given in the New Testament and so forth and so on. Am I making my point? And so most of what is around us though is a man-made religion. It, it, is, it is religion and it is Christianity, sorry to say, that is socially oriented, that is entertainment based, that is business and uh, business organized, and, and, it's, and it's man-centered, and it's for man. And I think that if you really look at it with an honest view, you know that that's true. And that is not what that we want to be a part of. God did not bring these people out of Egypt for them to end up being another Egypt. He didn't. The tabernacle is not patterned after the great temple of the idols that were found in Egypt or in the places that were around them. You know what's one of the things that's the neatest about the tabernacle to me is the outside covering was this hideous badger skin. It looked hideous from the outside. There was nothing about the outside of it that would have attracted anyone, but it was what was going on inside. What would It was revealing about Christ and about salvation and that the sinner could come and approach and find the mercy of God for his soul. It's where the truth was. It's where the light of the world was. And it was only in one place and to one people. And it was so special. And I believe in part, beloved, imperfectly. That's why I love this place. That's why I've dedicated my life and my soul and my family to this place. Because I believe in a New Testament way. It is the same thing that we have here. This is a holiest of holies upon the earth to us. And we're on holy ground today. And so, he said, I want you to make it. After that pattern. Just going to just review uh, very quickly the thoughts that we had last time. Is that this pattern. And this is, this is not only a pattern of how the, the tabernacle then 
the the temple also was given as a pattern the new testament church is is given as a pattern but all of these things we're going to talk about later are but shadows of heavenly things all these things the tabernacle the temple and even the new testament church are temporary things they're they're a shadow of heavenly things of eternal things that are going to be forever and they are far more glorious than anything that we can read about or see or touch or know hallelujah yeah. But this pattern all began as salvation began with a willing offering, right? He said, I want you to, to bring these things so that they, you can make a tabernacle for me. Everything that was necessary was given from God and, and back to God. We see here that God set the standard in giving, in salvation, right? For He gave us His only begotten Son. He gave us heaven's best for earth's worst. Without God giving, there would be no redemption. Without God giving, there would be no church, no tabernacle, no temple. It all starts from the giving heart of God. And then we also, we want to give our lives a living sacrifice unto Him. Holy and acceptable, which is our what? Our reasonable service. We want to give back to God the first fruits. Of all that we are and of all that we had. We saw that everyone had a part in this labor and this work. Men and women were giving and and working. Hallelujah. God makes His people willing in the day of His power. And so the whole pattern of redemption begins with this great giving. This great offering. The offering that, that of Christ's own blood to the Father for the salvation of the hearts and souls and lives of His people. And so the pattern begins with a willing offering. We talked about that. And then secondly, the purpose of the pattern was to prepare a place for God. That's what God said. You're going to prepare a place. Let them, verse 8, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is not my church. This is not so much your church. It's it's a church that we're a part of. But the church belongs to who? It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His church. It's His body. We must never forget that. That He is the head of the church and that this is a place for Him, the church. And the biblical pattern of the church is a place where it's to be God-centered. The songs focus on Him. The ministry that we do where we, we try to reach out to the poor, we try to reach out to the downtrodden, it's not so that people can look at us and say, oh, look what good people they are. No, but look what a great God that they serve. That in all things, He might have the preeminence. Our songs are about Him. Our messages are about Him. Our ministry, our evangelism, the focus is Him and To declare His glory among all people. His wonders. His glory to the heathen among all peoples. That's what we're about. It is a... We're preparing a place for God. And isn't that wonderful that God has purpose to dwell with us? This tabernacle was to be the center of their lives. This is what happened to so many, I believe, old Baptist churches. And why so many lost their candlestick... And why so many of them really died of a suicide is because of the good people in those churches. They lost focus of what the dynamic 
of the church was supposed to be about. They, they fell in love with tradition. They, they fell in love with buildings. Uh, they, uh, you can even uh, make a church about your family. And those churches lost their light. And they, they died out. And, and, but most of it was is because the people in those churches, they just made the church a part of their life that, that uh, it was just like you said, an appendage to their life instead of making it the center of their life and everything else in their life surrounded it. But we see God put it in the center of their camp. His glory, His law, His word. It was what they, every time, that they, they passed by. And from every side they, they knew when the cloud lifted up and the ark went forth, then they went forth. And so it would be the center of their camp. It should be the center of our lives. A place of worship. A place of sacrifice. A place of forgiveness and glory was this tabernacle. Is that what this is here? That's what this place is. It was a place also where the priestly family of God was fed. Drew, in his last statements in his prayer, he said, Lord, feed us. We're, we're hungry. Well, well, the priest, as they labored and they did the sacrifices, they ate of the offering. They were fed within the tabernacle and nourished to do the work of the Lord. Well, your kingdom priest, your royal priesthood unto God. Now, thirdly, and where we'll begin this morning, still speaking about the pattern, having this thought about the pattern, it is but a shadow of heavenly things. Remember when John was on Patmos, and he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, right? And Paul, I believe Paul is talking about John when he says, I knew a man caught up into the third heaven. I believe that's who he's talking about is John that, that Paul knew uh, of this experience and had read these wonderful things that John saw. But if you remember when we, when we studied through that with Brother Jeff, that these things that, that are being described and that Moses and the children of Israel are going to build and it's going to be a part of their lives. John saw these things in the heavenly realm, in the world of glory. And guess what? One day we are too. Hallelujah. It's going to be so awesome uh, to, see, to see those things. And uh, it, is, it is a great picture. It is two great The tabernacle is two great pictures. First and foremost, just as Jesus Christ is the glory and the beginning of all our redemption. Amen? He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And He is the glory of heaven. Amen? And He is the glory of our lives and the glory of our salvation. So everything, every cord, every knop, every piece of acacia wood that is covered in gold, every piece of furniture, it all points to the person and work and the ministry and the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But then, secondly, secondarily, is a great picture of the church that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to establish uh, in the earth and, and the purpose and the mission uh, of the church and, and the work of the priesthood would speak to our priesthood before 
the Lord. So it's shadow of spiritual, a visible illustration of the heavenly dwelling. Let's go to the book of Hebrews because the writer of Hebrews, who we believe to be the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, he's, he often alludes back to those things, doesn't he? That's why it's so important. You can't really understand the book of Hebrews without understanding the book of Exodus. You really can't. And here in Hebrews chapter 8, let's begin in verse 1 and read through verse 5 and see what we're talking about here. Now, of the things, this is Hebrews Chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. You know, Brother Don Bowling gave me some great preaching advice the other day. He said, Brother Nathan, he said, how about when you call out a scripture, you verse, you call it out twice. I like that. Isn't that good advice, Brother Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> call it out twice. I, I'm doing it, Brother Don. See, an old dog can learn new tricks. Hebrews 8, 1 through 5. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of, mag of majesty in the heavens. So there was a high priest in the tabernacle, right? In the high priest, high priest of the tabernacle. He would go in one time of year, one time of, of the year with Yom Kippur, with the blood of the atonement. Remember how they would tie a rope to his ankle, right? Why did they tie a rope to his ankle when he went in? Do you remember from preachers preaching about it? Because they didn't know if God was going to accept him or the blood or not. And if he died in there, uh, nobody else could go in or they would die. So they had to put the rope around him so that if he died, they could, they could pull him out. They could pull his body out. But he also had uh, in the outfit, and we'll study about all this, he had little bells on the bottom. And they would listen and hear him swishing in there and knowing that he was still alive. But we have a greater high priest than that. All those high priests served their time and, and they perished. But we have a high priest that lives forever. The Lord Jesus Christ, not in a tabernacle or a temple made with hands, but in heaven itself interceding for us with blood that was offered once forever. A minister of the sanctuary, that's the tabernacle, and of the what? The true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not men, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. We're talking about the transcendent high priestly work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the high, high priest. Amen. Amen. Who serve unto the example. This is the copy, right? And shadow of, I told you, of what? Of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Here it is again. We're coming back to this point. We have to get this right in our lives. 
that we can't have salvation any way that we want it. We can't have God any way that we want Him. We can't have the church any way that we want it or make it how we want it to be. But when God looks down at His church, He wants it to, he wants to see it the way that He wants it to be. Can I get an amen? amen? So important. It's, in our lives, it's of, of all things most important. we see that the tabernacle and the temple itself, even though the temple was more permanent and was going to even show forth more of the glory of the true church and of the, the true uh, eternal abode that we will have, it was still temporary. But they, they burned it down. Remember when they built the second temple, Brother Jeff? And the young people were rejoicing, but the old people were what? They were weeping because they remembered the first one and, and the glory of it and, and what had been lost and, and forfeited. But they would, they would admonish them and the Scriptures would admonish them that this temple was going to be even greater because one day the Lord was going to come into that temple. Right? But the tabernacle was just a temporary, temporary dwelling for use in the wilderness of that time. And so the temple was for that temporary time and dispensation of God dealing with Israel as a nation and as a people. And even the gospel church is only for a time. And the gospel age is for a time. And all these things are but shadows and patterns of something that's coming. That's building. That's on its way. That's far greater. With more glory than we can ever imagine. When the Shekinah glory of God. Filled the tabernacle. No man could enter. When the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God. Filled the temple. No man could enter. When the glory of God. Came upon Jesus Christ. When he tabernacled with us. In the form of the Holy Spirit. On the mount. Of transfiguration. His glory shone that no man could even look at Him. But one day, with glorified bodies, with glorified souls, we're going to live in the very presence of the light of God, of the Shekinah glory of God is going to shine through us and around us, unimpeded, unaltered, undiminished. These things are but patterns God's showing us of great things that are to come for His people in His presence. And so as we see that this pattern, this plan for a place that sinners could come and approach God on earth, this tabernacle, this temple, this gospel church, that it all originated in heaven. Amen? This isn't, this isn't something that Moses and Joshua came up with, Robert. <laughs> now, no doubt, Moses had a lot of intelligence, a lot. He had, had been a prince in Egypt. He had seen them build these pyramids, all, all these famous wonders of the world, they called it. That's not how he built the tabernacle, right? He built it according to the blueprint and plan of God. And so, but, but I want you to see also the, the beauty and the truth. What you need to grasp from this is that the truths and the doctrines 
that we love and hold dear about salvation, they also did not originate in the hearts and the minds of men. Do you see that? But the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, and the truths that surround it, they come to us from heaven above. It began there, in the mind and heart, in the decrees of God, in the everlasting covenants. Yeah. We do not preach to you fables or things of cunning man's inventions, but we preach to you what God has declared and the plan that He has made for sons and daughters to be with Him forever in glory and the way that He got us from here to there. The tabernacle shows that there is a way a sinner can approach God. Oh, what a journey this was. I want you to join me. I want you to join me in the wilderness. I want you to pretend, Sister Donna, like you're, you're a Jewish woman. And you know what a change for you. Do you know that you can even go into the tabernacle as a Jewish woman? But you sit in the holiest of holies. There's neither bond nor free, nor Jew nor Greek, but all are one in Christ now because the temple veil has been rent. The court of the Gentiles is flooded in full and they have entered in into the commonwealth of Israel. Once there was a partition, but now we that were far off have been drawn nigh, but join me, join me around Sinai as this tabernacle was formed and, and the services begin to take place. And imagine that you're one that is weighed down with your sin. You see, you've seen and you've walked and you've eaten the manna. You've eaten the quail. You've drank water from a rock. You've seen the holiness of God. You've seen Sinai shake with His glory. You've heard the men that went up to the mountain said, We ate and drank with God. With the God of Israel. And you know that you're still just you're just you're a sinner. You don't deserve the, the blessings of God. You've heard his law, you've seen the Ten Commandments, you, you've been trying to keep them, but you've been failing. And so you come up, you pass through Judah, right? The only entrance, Brother Jeff, was through Judah. And you come up and let's take this journey. This great journey. We're on a journey, right, in Exodus? A journey of what? Of redemption. Well, this is what the tabernacle is all a pattern of. And so it starts at the door. One door. Right? How many ways are there to God? There's only one way. The door. Who did Christ say that He was? I am the door of the sheep. And it starts, the sinner comes trembling to the door. And he looks in, and, it, and the journey begins with grace. He's burdened with his sin, but he looks in, and the first thing that he sees is a brazen altar, right? And on it, a sacrifice. A sacrifice. He looks in, and he sees the brazen altar, and he sees that the sacrifice has been made for sin, and he sees the priest there uh, doing uh, that great work that God has called them to do in in the clothes that they have been 
uh, that have been fashioned for them that are holiness to the Lord. And it's a bloody scene, isn't it? The altar's covered in blood. The priest's clothes are in blood. Everything has to be sprinkled with blood because sin is an ugly thing in the sight of a holy God. And it's the first thing that has to be dealt with. Oh, beloved, no. That you, if you never deal with your own sin before God, you'll never come into His glory. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You have to confess before the world, I'm a sinner. And my sins had to be paid for. Well, there you see it. Right at the beginning. It hits you right in the face when you come in the door. Sacrifice for sin. But then beyond is the labor. The labor of, of pure water. Where they can go and they can be cleansed. Amen. They can be washed. And so in this sweet picture of baptism, that first, the child of God that wants to follow Jesus, he comes forward and he deals with his sin. He confesses, I'm, I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus died for my sins. He's my Savior. And then... Baptism. Right, Brother Matthew? Baptism. That washing away. That sense of a clear conscience before God. That identifying with the Lord. Do you see this, the pattern, the beauty of it? Yeah. And so they come to the labor and, and, they're, and they're cleansed. And then, beloved, you march forward a little bit further in, into the holy place and here is the altar of incense which is spiritually typical of the prayers and the prayer life of the people of God and, 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 and that rising up before as a sweet smell unto the Lord you, you find a place where you can communicate with God uh, an open source of, of real relationship with God through incense, through prayer. And then you have the table of the shoe bread where uh, sustenance is provided for you. Uh, the Word of God in our lives is more than our necessary food. You're being fed uh, here today. Christ is the living bread. Amen. The bread of heaven. Hallelujah. We eat and drink of Him through communion as well, through faith. We are fed and sustained and all in it as a beautiful light is cast. The candlestick is there providing light, bringing the oil up through the branches to the wicks, to the light, and it is illuminating the beauty that is in there, the glory that is in there. And then into the holiest of holies where is the ark of the covenant which was the greatest visible representation of the life of the ministry and ministry of the lord jesus christ that has ever been on the earth outside him in his incarnation and his human form and there the high priest you would see him come with the blood of the lamb and come to the ark of the covenant inside you remember was the Ten Commandments, a part of the manna from 
the wilderness. Aaron's rod that budded. And on top, on the seat, was the mercy seat. You've come from, you've come from grace. Dealt with sin through the blood. You've been washed. You've been fed. Your prayers have been heard from God. You've been illuminated with spiritual light. And now you're in the holiest of holies. With the through the blood to the mercy of God. On the mercy seat. And you see the cherubs. Overreaching. Looking at one another with their wings. And over the mercy seat. Between the cherubs wings. Rest. The glory of God. And beloved, that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. We're at, still at the mercy seat right now. But also God's glory is in His church. We're without end. But there's something far greater that it's all pointing to, that it's coming to. And we're in the journey of life. We're in the journey of redemption as well. But what a journey, right? From that door all the way to that mercy, to the blood, to the glory, to the from a sin-sodded thing, then into the very presence of the holiest of holies with God. Mm. All these things are but a shadow of heavenly things, of what Jesus was going to do through His life and through His ministry, through what He has accomplished, through what He has done. That's why... Beloved, there's no longer a need for a tabernacle and sacrifices and blood and candlesticks and shoe breads or we're not burning incense today because we have direct access to God and we're in the holiest of, of, of holiness. The, the sacrifice has been uh, forever made. And we reign with Him in His spiritual kingdom. It's just all, it's too much, it's too beautiful, it's overwhelming, isn't it, to consider it all. We'll, we'll have to break it down. So fourthly and lastly, the key to the pattern is a person. The key to, a, to the pattern is a person. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. This whole tabernacle is all about Him. Describing how He was going to be, who He was going to be. In His incarnation for us. The ministry. The, the things that He was going to accomplish for us. In His journey here. Beloved, never forget that He tabernacled with us. Amen. Let's go to the Gospel of John. And John describes it this way. John chapter 1. We only have uh, one more scripture to go to after this. But this one is so, so beautiful when we think about. The Lord Jesus, as He gave all these things and patterns and blueprints to Moses and He inspired David and Solomon, no doubt He was thinking about His entrance into the world, His work. And He rejoiced to see these things. For it says here in John 1 and 14, And the Word, that's the Word is the Logos, the the Word of God, God the Word, God the Son, right? Verily God was made flesh. He incarnated. And it says He dwelt among us. That means He tabernacled among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
But that, that was the picture of the tabernacle had come and lived upon the earth. And everything that it represented, He was going to fulfill in His life and in His ministry. As Christ is the glory of heaven, He's also the glory of the tabernacle. He's the key to the whole thing. He unlocks every part as we see Him. As you, maybe have you read in uh, Exodus 25, if, if you read that and you read about the instructions for how to make this furniture, one of the things that I want you to see that speaks so well of Christ is this, um, this wood. This wood that was overlaid with gold. Whenever that you read about that, you, you see the incarnation of Christ. You see both His humanity and His deity as, as one thing, overlaid, but as one thing together. It, it's, it speaks to this. The Ark of the Covenant reveals the ministry of Jesus as our high priest, His glory, His blood, His mercy, His law, how, how that He was chosen by God to do it, the longevity of His life and of the accomplishments of His ministry. All of this speaks to that. He is the tabernacle. He tabernacled with us. And we'll go through all of these different pieces of furniture individually. But the Ark of the Covenant was the prized possession of the people of God. We just read David's psalm, how excited David was as the Ark of the Lord ascended into the tabernacle again. For it had, they had lost the glory of God. Remember Ichabod, the glory of the Lord had, had departed and they hadn't had that for years and years and years. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. It was a symbol of the very presence of God. And, and the Ark, and as we get into it, it reveals the ministry of Jesus and especially His role as our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, which is a great, great mystery. But just one more scripture that I want us to go to as we close because I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 9. For all of this, all of this points in such beauty to Christ and, and to the church as, as well. See, the candlestick. The light speaks of Christ as the light of the world. The table of the shoe bread speaks of Him as the bread of life. The altar of incense as our great intercessor before the Lord. And here, just listen to this. Let this just sink into your heart. We're going to read Hebrews 9, 11, and 12, and then verse 24. But Christ, being come a high priest, of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us he didn't all do all that work to give people a chance to be saved no beloved he obtained Eternal redemption Amen. for His people. And then verse 24 as we close. 
for Christ. Let's go to verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered to the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. And beloved, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be there one day. You're going to see it all. But isn't it wonderful now that we still have a place upon earth that Christ has made where the sinner may come and approach before God, where the sinner can come on the earth and still receive light, still receive that spiritual bread, still come and make His offering to God. We have so much to be thankful for. The, the Hebrews of that day, they respected and, and honored the tabernacle and they built it in the pattern. They were very specific. And they built it in the specific pattern that God gave to them. And they were greatly blessed above all the people in the world for it as long as they stayed true to that. They stayed true to God and they didn't lose sight that the glory of it all wasn't the things or that they had them, but that God was there and that God had given it to them. So we must be with the church. So we must, so must we be with His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you is our prayer. Thank you.